everybody, this is Pastor Chad, and thank you for listening to the Way Radio Podcast. Before I get into today's message, I wanted to mention that we have updated the uh, Kenya page on our website. As I mentioned in uh, either the last episode or the episode before, uh, we got back a few weeks ago from almost a month visiting our churches in Kisi, Kenya. We have a headquarters there now, and we have been blessed to have a total of 17 pastors with congregations uh, throughout the southern, uh, pretty much the southwestern part of Kenya that are now part of the Way Ministry Church, Kenya. And we're really excited about that. It was just an amazing trip. And uh, it's been a long month since I got back, or a long few weeks, trying to get caught up on everything. But now we are updating that webpage. So if you get a chance, please take a look. Just go to the Way uh, R. 122.org, the way the letter R122.org. It'll say there's a link there for the Kenya page, and you can go there and read about the pastors. Uh, there's photos of each pastor, there's photos of our headquarters, photos of probably six or seven of our church locations over there. We weren't able to visit every single one, I think we visited about eight or ten. But we do have a couple that are that are quite far from where we stay there, so we were not able to to visit those. But we will visit those next time we go back. So if you get a chance, please take a look at that. Uh, we're just really excited about the work that the Lord's doing uh, through our church and ministry in Kenya. But what I wanted to address today is through the recovery, recovery Reformation ministry, I have people contacting me constantly, Christians who are struggling to figure out how to help a family member, a child, a parent, whatever, uh, whoever that that is uh, trapped in the sin of addiction. And it's really, it makes me sad, honestly, because Christians should understand the power of the gospel. And I'm not accusing people. The reason it makes me sad is because we've had so many generations now of the gospel being watered down and compromised and put on the back burner in the interest of growing churches as large as possible, uh, being seeker-sensitive, whatever you want to call it. Um, We're not, so many Christians now don't understand the true power that we have through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the leading of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. I mean, it's just, uh, it's the most powerful tool we have to overcome any sin of addiction. And when you start really studying the gospel, studying God's word in scripture, prayerfully studying the word, seeking to be conformed to the image of Christ, and the Holy Spirit really opens your heart and your mind, your spirit to the glory and the majesty and the mystery and the beauty of of God's plan of salvation through the gospel, you'll honestly look at the modern recovery industry and just shake your head and think, none of it's needed. We just need to reach people with the gospel. And like I've said before, all down through church history, that's what was done. You read account after account of the hopeless alcoholic or addict hearing the word of God, being presented with the gospel, the Holy Spirit piercing their heart with that word, And they turn away from their sinful ways and they repent. 
and they become just a bright, shining child of God in Jesus Christ. And how sad it is that you just don't hear a lot of those stories anymore in the modern church because we rely on things other than the gospel, even in Christianity. And it's really just, uh, it's a sad thing. And really, addicts and people in general, uh, we like to do things that make us feel good. We like to do things that boost our self-esteem, that enable us to have a positive attitude. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is, if we're trying to boost our self-esteem, we're trying to uh, create a, a more positive attitude for ourselves, we're trying to have a better outlook on the world, there's nothing wrong with that. But really what it comes down to, if that's not grounded in Christ... We're just setting ourselves up for a life of constant searching for the next solution. Because everything, when, you come, when it comes to seeking true joy, true happiness, true peace, there's only one real genuine solution, and that is faith and trust, belief in Jesus Christ, repenting of, of our worldly ways, of our sins, turning away from them, and seeking Jesus Christ. And if you're not in Him, you're constantly going to be looking for the next thing or the next solution to help you maintain self-esteem, maintain a positive attitude, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, Solomon wrote about this years ago. He said, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that he'd seen in his amazing life of wealth and wisdom and prosperity, everything that he had, everything the world could give someone, and he realized it was all worthless Unless we had a relationship with the Lord. That's what it really comes down to. And this applies, this is especially true when it comes to dealing with addiction. And I think my point is made, even if you just look at the world and realize that addiction is is growing like crazy. It's a massive problem that is spiraling out of control. And the world is just doing everything it can to try to come up with solutions, and none of them are going to work. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. The entire recovery industry and the self-help industries are based on the fact that there is no true solution in a worldly perspective or from a worldly context. There just isn't. And that's why rehab centers make so much money. I mean, just think about it. Uh, A drug addict goes to rehab. They pay a massive amount of money to go for however long they go through this program, they get out, the, the, the success ratios, or the percentage of success in rehab is horrendous, it's so low. They get out, they go back into the world, the majority of them use again, go right back into their addiction at some point, they come back to rehab, and then rehab blames it on them and says, well, you didn't work a good enough program, you didn't work the 12 steps good enough, or whatever it was, you didn't go to enough meetings, blames it on them so they pay so they can go through rehab again. I mean, it's, it's just a revolving door of futility. And the whole self-help industry is the same thing. People are suffering in depression. They're on medications. There's just so much that people are trapped in nowadays that they don't need to be trapped in if we had faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sounds simplistic. It sounds old-fashioned. But I'm telling you, I firmly believe it's true. I've... I, I've, I've read psychology books for years. I studied psychology for a few years in college. I finally realized how, how futile it was. I've been uh, clean and sober for, I think, 28 or 29 years now, and that whole time I've looked at so many different solutions. The only thing that sets us free 
is repentance and belief in the gospel. So along those lines, I want to get into, uh, I'm gonna, this message is going to be entitled Morning and Evening Praise, and it's based on Psalm 92.2. And I'm hoping that this will answer the question of, okay, if I'm an addict, but I'm a believer, I'm somebody that's struggling with habitual sin, whatever that may be, drug addiction, alcoholism, porn addiction, stealing, whatever it may be, whatever sin it is they're struggling with, and it's been habitual in their life for for many years or for however long, what what can that person do to change their thinking, get more focused on Christ, and to find joy and to be able to totally forsake that lifestyle. Because I'll admit, it's not easy. When you've developed sinful habits, even when you come to Christ, he'll, he'll transform you radically. And there are a lot of cases where it's like a lightning bolt and you're just set free from that sinful lifestyle. But quite often, we have to pray for strength. We have to cling to Christ and he'll bring us through it. And that's actually a blessing because it teaches us to persevere and it builds our faith. But for those that are wondering, you know, how do we go about changing our thinking, overcoming addiction through Christ, there are practical ways to do it. And it really comes down to uh, lifestyle choices and things that we do daily to help us stay focused on Christ and the gospel and the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, I want you to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 through 8. I want to start with that verse. Paul writes, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So this is Paul giving us a synopsis of the gospel. He delivered to us as of first importance what he received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Now, one of the things I can tell you that's helped me so much is simply meditating on that message, meditating on the gospel, preaching the gospel to myself. It always has the effect of lifting my spirits, of calming me of giving me peace. So always consider just going through the gospel message with yourself if you're struggling with temptation uh, to addict, for, for, for a type of addiction to go back into that, or you're dealing with depression or low spirits, whatever it is, remember the gospel. Consider the gospel. Think about your salvation in Jesus Christ because of the gospel, and it will lift your spirits if you are a true believer. Jesus warned us uh, at the, of the times in which we live. I want you to also keep this in mind. A time in which the gospel and the true church, it's hated by the vast majority of the world and the professing church. And this is one of the reasons why the modern recovery industry is so prevalent in the modern church. 
because we're so the modern church is influenced by so much of the world. But Jesus warned us about these times, and we can't let these times drag us down. Matthew twenty four ten through fourteen says, At that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will, aw- will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. should underline, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. As Christians were called to endure... So what that tells us is there are things we are going to need to endure. And it's quite obviously obvious as the world around us grows darker and it spins out of control and things press in on us that we must endure those things, but we don't have to do it by our own power. We do it by God's grace. We have to live prayerfully looking to him. If we're called to Christ through his gospel, if we're truly born again and striving to walk with him on the narrow path of salvation in the midst of a a perverse and crooked generation, how do we endure and persevere? Those are perfectly valid questions. How do we exist in the world, but not of the world? How do we guard ourselves against the attacks and influences of the world upon our faith? How do we actually rejoice in the midst of a world and society that's spinning out of control? How do we do that? But as Christians, we're going to have to be able to answer these questions because you can't argue the fact that the world is spinning out of control. I mean, look at the abortion issue in the United States. It's horrific. Look what's going on politically in the United States. It's a circus. It's an absolute nightmare. Look what's going on in the Christian, the so-called Christian church in America through all the false religions and the circus that's called the church in so much of America. When you look at these guys like Benny Hinn and Bethel Church, Joyce Myers, all these uh, televangelists that are just bilking people out of millions of dollars in the name of Christ, claiming to be part of the church. How do you watch that and still stay positive and rejoice? By focusing on the gospel, by focusing on Christ, realizing that everything is working out according to God's plan. But you can't just tell yourself that. You've got to preach that to yourself. You've got to meditate on Christ, and he will give you the strength to persevere and overcome all this stuff that's going on in the world. And if you're an addict, and you're dealing with temptations to use, temptations to watch porn, temptations to cheat on your spouse, temptations to drink, whatever it is that your sinful desire keeps uh, pulling on you with or trying to pull you into, you can have victory over all of that, but you have got to look to Christ prayerfully and through his word. So the answer is how do you overcome all this stuff is by praising the Lord. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So many people wonder what God's will is for their life. We're told right there. God's will for us is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, in everything to give thanks, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Just a beautiful portion of scripture. Those coming out of the sin of addiction suffer with guilt, remorse, anger, uh, confusion, apathy. I've been there. I've dealt with all those things. 
But the following of what I'm going to share is a way to renew your mind so you're free from those things. But it takes work. You've got to seriously seek for Christ. You've got to make the changes in your life. And you've got to take the time to be in prayer, to be in study of the Word, to be seeking the Lord to make these changes. He will make the changes, but He wants us to, to, to seek to be conformed to His image. Being a Christian means we're, we're clinging to Christ. We're striving to be conformed to His image. We're casting our burdens on Him and asking Him to show us the path going forward so that we do have to strive to do that. We can't just assume that we're going to change if we don't put in the effort that's needed and the determination that's needed to strive after Christ. This is why Romans 12.2 is the, the mission verse for Recovery Reformation. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So back to Psalm 92.2. It says, To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Now morning and evening allude to the offering of the morning and evening a sacrificial lamb, the sacrifice that was made in the morning and the evening in Jewish society or under Jewish law. And it was a reminder of the daily need for cleansing from our sins under Jewish law. So when we think of that, the first thing it should, it should bring to mind is the fact that we must always remember the one perfect and final sacrifice that was made for us in Jesus Christ, those sacrifices that the Jewish priests made morning and evening every single day no longer have to be made because of the one perfect sacrifice that was made for, for, for God's chosen ones, his chosen children, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why John, uh, John the Apostle, John the Baptist, wrote in uh, John one twenty nine, says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew he was going to be the final, perfect, sacrificial Lamb of God. Heaven is full of joy, and it's full of joyful, it's full of joyful praise, and we should praise continually on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, you should, what should you be joyful about? What, what should you be praising God about? What I just shared, the fact that he sent his son to be that perfect sacrificial lamb, that perfect sacrifice to save us and to set us free from the sin that has held us in bondage for so long and bring us into eternal salvation with him. Psalm 92.2 provides two beautiful subjects for our praise of the Father, loving kindness and faithfulness. So we praise him because of the sacrifice that was made to ensure us of our eternal salvation and our freedom from sin. But there's so much more that we praise God for. And two of them that are from this psalm are loving kindness and faithfulness. Praise, praise will bring our prayers and our Christianity back to our hearts. It will, enable, it will make us more considerate. We'll spend more time in consideration of Christ and the gospel. It will give us more reverence when we really start meditating on the gospel message, spending time in the word prayerfully, seeking to understand Christ and to know God through him. It will automatically make us more reverence and give us more of a sense of awe before the Lord. In consideration, we need to prayer, prepare and tune our hearts for prayer and praise. We need to bring precious sacrifices to the Lord, not hurried, cheap prayers that we've not considered in meditative communion. Think about what you're doing in prayer. 
In our busy lifestyles, it's so hard to set aside time for prayer. This is one of my biggest struggles as a Christian and a pastor, is trying to set aside genuine, quality time for prayer. Because even when you get the time, the world presses in on us. And our minds are still distracted because there's so much distraction in our world now with social media and cell phones and everything else. We've got to fight and set aside our time of prayer and being in the Word, abiding in Christ through His Word. We've got to to fight and not allow that time to be stripped away from us because that should be like gold for us. Uh, The psalm says, To declare your loving kindness in the morning. So I think this tells us that we are to offer the first fruits of the day to God. Do you want to have a good day, a positive day? Do you want to have good self-esteem and a positive attitude? The best way to do it is to begin the day by offering the best part of the day to God, which is the morning. Celebrate God's awesome creation of another day every single morning. Dedicate the gift of the day back to the Lord. Lord, today is yours. Thank you for giving me another day of life. What can I do to serve you in this day? We and creation are brightest, sharpest, freshest, and new in the morning. Dedicate this time in praise to God. And celebrate the resurrection of each morning. Psalm seventeen fifteen says, As for me... I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. I shall be satisfied with your likeness. What that tells us is we have complete satisfaction in the Lord. We don't want for anything else. Let's look at the two words, your loving kindness. What what does the psalmist mean by that? Uh, We need to bring to memory all of the blessings of God's loving kindness in our lives. Regardless of current circumstances or trials, which are only temporary, God's blessings are eternal. So we need to learn to have an eternal perspective in Christ so we're not drawn into uh, the passing issues that we deal with in our day-to-day life. The pressures, the strains, and the assaults of this world have no measure to the joys, blessings, mercy, mercies, and loving kindness that we have in God. Loving kindness is a godly word deserving of a lifetime of meditation and contemplation. The only way you can understand God's loving kindness is if you are prayerfully studying His word. Loving kindness of God is so far above and beyond just simple kindness. The unregenerate uh, person that's lost in the world can practice kindness, but only a true child of God can be a vessel of the Father's loving kindness. Think of that. We can actually offer kindness to hurting people, those that don't know the gospel, or brothers and sisters that might be suffering for whatever reason, who are in the faith. We can offer a kindness that is truly of God, beyond human capability. And then think about this. This is loving kindness from God, our Father. And only a parent's love can convey the beauty of loving kindness. I want to look at a couple of examples here. If you take the example of a wounded soldier on the battlefield, he's going to be shown loving kindness by either a medic or a commanding officer, or if a parent's there, by a parent. If you look at an injured person, somebody that's been in a car crash or something, a doctor or a nurse can show that person loving kindness as well as a parent. If you look at an injured child, a child falls on the playground and breaks their arm, a paramedic or a doctor or a nurse could show them loving kindness. A teacher could show them loving kindness if they got hurt at school, but a parent could as well, obviously. 
But consider the prodigal son in Scripture. A son that has rebelled against his father, insulted his father, sinned against his father. His father really, if you look at the way his son has treated him, has no moral obligation from a human perspective to even acknowledge his son anymore. But what happens? That parent welcomed the prodigal son back with open arms. That's the way the Lord loves us. We've sinned against him. We've rebelled against him. Human, sinful human nature, our human nature, nailed Christ to the cross so he could be a sacrifice for our sins. That's how evil sinful desire is. And in spite of that, he welcomes us with open arms. He draws us to the cross. He draws us to Christ. And he forgives us and blesses us with eternal salvation and a relationship with him, beholding his glory in spite of our sinful rebellion against him powerful. Our Heavenly Father's love for us is the pinnacle of loving kindness. There's nothing that compares with the loving kindness of God. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. When we're looking beyond Scripture, we're looking outside of the Christian faith, we're looking outside of Christ for a solution to sinful problems, we really, it shows that we have little or no understanding of the gospel message. None. Because our Heavenly Father's love for us is the pinnacle of loving kindness. And if we understand that, we will understand that it doesn't matter what somebody needs to be set free from, whether they're a heroin addict, a cocaine addict, an opioid addict, an alcoholic, whatever it is, God's word will set them free by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Consider what this verse is saying. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. That tells me personally that all the years that I spent out there drinking and using and being violent and living a sinful life, God, in spite of all that, God drew me to his son, even being in 13 years of rebellion and a false religion, when I was worshiping at the altar of Alcoholics Anonymous, thinking the steps were going to save me, and doing all the garbage that that program recommended to do, and rejecting anything that I had learned in the church growing up, he still drew me to him and set me free from all that and brought me into the truth of the gospel. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Folks, the loving kindness of our Father came and appeared to us in Jesus Christ. You can't know the Father without the Son. The fullness of God dwells in Christ. If anyone tells you they have a relationship with God, but they don't know Jesus Christ, they do not know who God is. They do not have a relationship with Him. You cannot know the Father except through the Son. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So just think of that loving kindness, that sacrifice that was made to save us, And consider that the loving kindness of God in His Son, that should be our constant, joyful consideration. There's no better contemplative devotion with which to spend each morning than just focusing on that, the power of the gospel. 
Meditate on the gospel. Consider how God brought you to Christ. Consider his mercies in your life. Praise him for your own transformation by his loving grace. Tell of God's loving kindness to yourself each and every morning, and you will overcome so much of what you think you're trapped in. You just need to look to Christ. It says, Declare your loving kindness. Matthew 5.14, you are the light of the world. Begin the day by proclaiming in prayerful praise to your own heart the loving kindness of God. Then carry it to your family. Take that joy and share it with your family. Then take it out into the world. Pray that the Lord will provide opportunities and that you will be able to share the joy that you have because of God's loving kindness with others. Have you been set free from an addiction because of Christ? Go tell another addict about it. Say, you don't have to live like this. There is an there's a, such a beautiful, simple way out of this. It's the gospel and share the gospel with them. Live as a disciple sealed with the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to go preach it, everyone, but you can shine with so much love that it will provide the opportunity for you to preach. You see? When you pray for opportunities to preach, that means that God's going to make you shine so brightly with his love that people are going to want to know what you're all about. You're going to want, they're going to find out what it is that set you free and they're going to want it and then you have an opportunity to share the gospel. Matthew 5:16 says, "Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven." So we must praise God, we must live sacrificially and rejoice in Christian fellowship. Live a life of joyful gratitude. I will tell you and I'm sure of this. If you are living a life of joyful gratitude, sinful addiction is powerless against it. If you are in joyful gratitude, if you are living a life of joyful gratitude in Jesus Christ and you are enraptured with him, you're meditating on the gospel, your addiction is powerless against you. You've been set free from it. So don't identify as a recovering alcoholic or a recovering addict. You are free from it. I, I would never again say that I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict. I'm free from that. It's done. It's not a disease. It was sin that Jesus freed me from. Then it says to declare your faithfulness by night. So we've seen how we can beautifully start the day in Christ. Now we're ending the day to declare your faithfulness by night. The evening is the Sabbath of the day and should be the Lord's. That's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I'll repeat. The evening is the Sabbath of the day and should be the Lord's. Praise God every night for his faithfulness in bringing us through the day. Think of all the dangers that we probably survive each day that we're not even aware of. Just think of that. I've often thought about all the years growing up in Southern California that I spent surfing. How many times I may have been in, there may have been a shark right next to me or under me that never touched me and I never knew about it. Scary to think about. But think about when you drive on the freeway every day, when you walk across the street, whatever it is, how many dangers does the Lord keep us from that we're not even aware of? And regardless of how long the day is, never be too tired to pray and glorify God in praise at the end of each day. We love to ask God for things and lay out a shopping list of all the things we think we need. Folks, try just praising Him for everything He's given you. And I can tell you, when you start praising him for everything he's given you, you realize you need much less and you're given so much more because he, he loves our praise. Praise him. Also, at the end of every day, we have a little bit more experience of God's faithfulness 
than we did in the morning. We've matured that day in Christ, so we can praise him for that. Look back on the day at promises fulfilled. Count God's mercies and blessings before you go to sleep. Thank him for his provision that you had everything you needed that day, for his protection that he brought you through the day safely, for every breath that you take. Every breath we take is by God's grace. Thank you, thank him for guiding you. If you're a true Christian and you've been able to stay on the narrow path that day and avoid temptation, praise him for his guidance, for his comfort. If something happened that was... Uh, depressing to you or something uh, that hurt you in some way and you found comfort in the Lord, praise him for that. Praise him for strength. If you overcame a temptation or somebody did something that uh, was wrong against you and you had the strength to face up to it the way Christ would rather than the way we would in, in our flesh, he gave you the strength for that. Praise him for that. Thanks. Thank him for his peace. Count the blessing of peace that only those in Christ understand and have for clarity, for being able to go to his word and to understand what he's teaching us through his word. That is a huge blessing. Have you ever tried to witness to an unbeliever and the word just seems to bounce off of them or somebody trapped in a false religion and you're like, why can I read the word and understand what the Lord's telling me? I can see the gospel in this message, but it's like they just don't see it. It's because they haven't had their eyes opened by grace. Praise the Lord every night that you have the clarity to read his word and understand the beauty of it. Thank, thank the Lord that you have discernment, that you're able to spot false teachings, that maybe in the day somebody came to you and presented something to you that sounded really great, you know, but then there was that little voice in, the, in your mind that said, wait a minute, or in your spirit that said, I don't think that's of God. I need to test this. And you realize that's not biblical. That's wrong. And he kept you on the narrow path. Praise him for your faith. Praise him for your faith. If you listen to the episode that I had a couple weeks, uh, a couple episodes back, um, when I had to go through, when I went through this tremendous trial before we went to Kenya, I think that episode was called uh, "From uh, Fearful Trial to Glorious uh, to Amazing Blessing." It, it was a horrific trial that I had to go through, but the Lord blessed me so richly through it, and he strengthened my faith. My faith will never be the same, I don't believe, since that time because of the way that he brought me through that. And now I, I just realize I have so much more faith in him because I know that regardless of what I have to go through, he will give me strength when my strength is gone. Praise him for the faith that you have. Praise him for your family. Thank him for your family and their health. And if they're not healthy, still thank him. Because he'll use everything to the good of those that love him that are called according to his will and purpose. Thank him for the brethren in the church, for fellowship, for your friends that you have in the church that he's blessed you with in your life. There's so much that we can just thank the Lord for each and every night. The list could go on and on and on. If you're in abundance, praise God for his faithfulness. Was the day a day of trouble and trials? John 16.33 tells us how to look at that. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. So folks, in the world we will have tribulation. It's part of the Christian walk. But in Christ we have victory and peace and rest. So look at Christ, not at the world. James 1, uh, 1 through 4, and then verse 12 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Folks, we can only persevere under trials if we have faith in the Lord's promises and we are looking to our eternal heavenly treasure and our crown of life. You've got to have an eternal Christ-like perspective to persevere through trials. Proclaim God's faithfulness because of to His glory, He will prove that He is faithful to His glory. When I was brought through that trial, it brought glory to God. I praise Him for it constantly. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. God faithfully fulfills His promises. If we are in want and trials and have asked and asked our Father for help, maybe we should spend a good portion of time in only prayerful praise. Think about that. If you're going through these trials and it seems like you're getting nowhere, maybe just consider, what can I be grateful for? What can I praise the Lord for? Humble praise and gratitude to God, in spite of our circumstances, is a guard against the temptation to complain, fret, and worry. If you want to test that, go to the Bible and read about Daniel, Joseph, Moses, Paul, and Peter, and so many others. Consider down through biblical, uh, through church history, uh, men like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Richard Wormbrand, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Charles Spurgeon, and so many others. Consider that they all praised and sought the Lord regardless of their worldly circumstances, tribulations, and persecutions. And the Lord brought them through. Uh, there's a quote by an unknown source that says, He that notices providences shall never be without a providence to notice. Folks, we are to focus our eyes on the Lord in a spirit of gratitude. Because when we really realize what He's done for us, the gift we have in Jesus Christ, the blessing we have in eternal salvation, how could we want for anything else? That's why the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is enough. He is sufficient. Proclaim God's loving kindness and faithfulness to the world as a testimony to the power of God in his church. Joshua 23.14 says, Now behold, today I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been, been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. The Lord is perfect. He never fails. Everything is perfect in his word and works out according to his word and none of his promises fail. So I hope that helps some people. I really feel passionately about this, obviously. And I have, like I said, I get really frustrated because so many people, so many professing Christians, when it comes to the sins of addiction, they want to look for a secular way out. They, 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 wanna, they think it's a disease and they need medical help or they need a rehab or they need something of this world. And folks, I'm telling you, prayer is so powerful. God's word is so powerful. We need to have faith in it again. 
We need to realize how powerful it is, and we need to be sharing the gospel with those that are trapped in whatever sinful addiction it is that they're trapped in, or those that are just dealing with life. Folks, share the gospel with everyone. I'm not just talking to addicts here. It's just I've been approached by a lot of people this last week that are struggling with these issues, and I just hope that they will realize that they've got everything they need in the Word of God through the power of prayer and looking to Christ. So look to Him. Uh, If you'd like to find us on the web, we have a brand new website. It's awesome. Uh, My friend Todd designed it. Uh, You can find his links on our website. It's called Disraeli Designs. So go to our new website, thewayradio.net. If you go down to the bottom, there's some links to our partner ministries. Disraeli Designs is on there. If you own a business... Uh, or you do anything that needs exposure on the internet, on the web, I would definitely think about uh, talking to Todd. His prices are very fair. He loves helping ministries. He'll do whatever he can to make it as affordable as possible. And he just did an amazing job on this new website. That's thewayradio.net. Uh, our website for our church is the way, the letter R122.org, and Recovery Reformation is recoveryreformation.org. But if you just mainly focus on the wayradio.net, there's links to the other sites there, to our YouTube channel, and I believe also to our Facebook pages. If you'd like to email me, I'd love to hear from you. My email is chad at the way, the letter R122.org. And until next time, God bless you. Take care.